What's going on, everybody? Welcome to our 14th episode of WT Fada. I am your host, John, and I am joined by my co-host, Ron. We're co-hosts together. I never understood how to go with that. I'm like, we got two people doing it's it. It's clunky. Is it like co-host and co-host, or is it like host and host? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. We're partners. We're partners. We're partners like, in life, in podcasting, yeah. in love. Yeah, just... Let me like men in black that intro. And like, All right. <laughs> I don't know what, it, because I did that last week too. I was like, I was like, I'm your co-host, Ron, and I'm joined by the other co-host, yeah. John. It was <laughs> fucking weird. It doesn't, it doesn't flow right. We're partners. Yeah. We're still trying to figure out this whole podcasting thing. Yeah. We're just making up as we go. Just, you know, we don't know what the fuck we're doing. What the fuck we're talking about. No, at all. We're, all right, so there's a couple things happening here, and you're probably gonna be here. You're probably gonna hear that a couple of times. We're eating peanuts because podcasters have to eat too. Today's so. episode is brought to you by. Don't say it. All right, I'm not gonna say it. <laughs> or some shit-ass grocery store. <laughs> I was just gonna give a shout out to the peanuts. <laughs> peanuts in general. Yeah. Not a specific brand, just peanuts. Peanuts. <laughs> um. What's been going on, man? Ah, you know, I'm a little hungover today. Yeah. Yeah, I went out last night with my buddies, and uh, my buddies getting married next year, and mm-hmm. he decided last night to ask us all to be in his wedding party, so we went out, and he offered drinks on him, you know, oh, celebrate. And always dangerous. It is. <clears throat> and uh, this month, I told myself I was going to abstain from alcohol. <laughs> How's that going? <laughs> well, <laughs> I was like, "All right, I'll have one just to celebrate, you know, be the good friend that I am." Of course. And one turned into two, and then two stayed at two, and it hit me like a fucking freight train, man. It didn't matter. Didn't matter. You don't party like you used to, John. No, not anymore. It was funny. I went to, um, actually, ooh. I was going to ask if I could, uh, I know this is really strange, I was going to borrow your phone for this podcast for just a moment. Oh, sure. Yeah, can you pull up Stardust? I can. We're going to do something weird. You guys ready for this shit? It's going to blow your fucking minds. I wasn't. It's blowing my mind right now. Um, <laughs> no, last night I went with uh, name dropping again, Kayla Kennedy and her fiance. We went to see A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. And... Uh, it's funny, you know, that I don't really drink that much, but we got none. <laughs> and she was like, oh, you want to go get, um, you want to go to like Not Your Average Joe's and like grab a couple of drinks? I was like, yeah, okay, sure. So I got this thing called uh, a maple old fashioned. One fucking drink. One drink. Gotcha, right? Dude, I, all right. So we're sitting there and I'm like sipping it and I'm not like an alcohol person, really. Yeah. It's like a, like a Boston rye with local maple syrup and uh, like orange bitters or some shit poured Old over ice and stuff. Delicious. Yeah. That sounds good. So I'm like sipping it. And she's like, yeah, there's a thing where um, if you are drinking with people that you don't normally drink with, you're more likely to get drunk faster. I don't know. It could be Is like there... voodoo. Yeah. But I don't know. Is there a study behind this? I don't know. She just threw it out there, and I was like, huh, that's really weird. So then I just went, 
boom, and I down the rest of my drink because I've never drank with Kayla Kennedy. Yeah. So I down the rest of it, and I swear to fucking God, dude, my eye was like half shut. <laughs> the rest of the conversation, I like couldn't see straight. It was one drink. And I'm a big dude. Yeah. I'm a big dude. Yeah. I, I was like, Jesus Christ. Trust me, man. I was in the same boat. I, I was like that before I even got to my second one. But my defense, I ordered a margarita, and I'm watching this dude make it, and he takes this giant bottle of Don Julio, he puts the glass down, and he fills a pie about, you know, he puts a little ice in it, and fills a pie about three-fourths of the way up of just straight Don Julio tequila, <laughs> takes some Cointreau, tops it off with that, a little bit of juice, shakes it up, puts it in a giant margarita glass, and then that, along with the fact that I hadn't eaten in probably about seven to eight hours at that point, it just... Oh. That was kind of the same deal that I had because I had like a breakfast sandwich in the morning at work. I had a handful of these peanuts on my way to uh, my other job. And then I had popcorn at the movies. I had like a I, I eat like shit lately because I just I, I don't have time, money or inclination to eat. Uh, <laughs> so there's like nothing that I can do. So I, uh, I really, I didn't have that much. And then that one drink and it was so fucking strong, dude. Like that feeling where like you breathe out and you can like, you can feel the death of 10,000 bacteriums. Yeah. Just like, <laughs> what did you do? You know, they're all on fire. They're crying. Yeah. They're like our beautiful home. No. <laughs> All right, you ready? I'm going to do this. This is experimental shit. You ready? All right. So. Oh, am I getting in this too? Yeah, a little bit. Uh, hi. Hey, guys. Uh, we're literally recording the podcast currently. Um, and I just want to say that I saw uh, a beautiful day in the neighborhood last night. And it was absolutely beautiful and stunning. And mm, it was sweet and wholesome and interesting. Kind of like unexpectedly dark at times. And... Uh, Really great performances. Tom Hanks was great, but this other dude too, the the lead, I unbelievable. Truly. Alright. So you, there we go. You do that all in one take? When I do Stardust, man, I do like six, seven, eight, maybe nine times. I'm like, damn it, damn it, I don't know what I'm gonna say. Damn it. <laughs> that seems really impressive, but literally it's because I wasn't thinking about fucking it up. And Oh, there you go. If I had, I would have because normally I do. Yeah. Normally I'm like shit. Fuck shit. Yeah. You know? But yeah, no, that time that that worked. And this is kind of cool because it's like now it's on the now the Stardust review is in this podcast. And the podcast is in the Stardust review. Look at that. It's like an optical illusion yeah. or something. <laughs> I don't know what that what you qualify that as. How's that for marketing? Yeah. Killing it. Killing it. We're so we're so fucking good at this. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, it's live. A beautiful day in the neighborhood was, uh, was really a like fantastic, heartwarming movie. Um, um, it's about Mr. Rogers, right? It's about Mr. Rogers. Yeah. I haven't seen any trailers. I haven't really looked into it, but it's played by Tom Hanks. Correct? Tim, Tim Honks. That's him. Tim Honks. Tim Honks. <laughs> yeah. Is that like a uh, duck? <laughs> Tim Honks. Uh, no, he's, um, you know, in the trailers, I didn't really feel it so much, but mm -hmm. I don't know, something about, they have like a framing device in the movie that's basically like, you're watching, 
you're watching his uh you're watching like the tele like the television show mr rogers neighborhood you know and um and and because you're watching like a version of the television show and you're seeing tom hanks like dressed up as the character and talking like the character and you're seeing him in that setting i think it went a, a long way to making me just completely buy it and not think about it anymore yeah you know the rest of the movie i was watching him and i was like jesus christ like he, they like nailed it his mannerisms and stuff and mm -hmm. like but it was good it was um it was more or less somebody like me coming into contact with somebody like mr rogers somebody that's like cynical and pessimistic and kind of hurt maybe angry you know all of these different things and like meeting somebody that's just like well you you could feel that way or you just let it go you know <laughs> it's actually really good what is it like an, an hour and a half long like therapy session it's like just you know your feelings just just accept them man yeah it's all good yeah well like Bob Ross shows up. <laughs> you guys weren't ready for this. Happy little you? bush. Yeah. Happy little bush. Um, well, basically, like, the dude, the lead guy, I can't remember. I don't know his name. I'm sure it would have been nice for that review. But um, he was on The Americans. And I never watched The Americans. Um, mm -hmm. But so I, I had no idea that that guy was, like, an amazing actor. I'm watching him play all of these levels of emotion mm -hmm. where he's, like, angry and hurt at the core right and then like a layer up from that is like i'm just sort of like baffled at how um like silly the world is and how silly like you know fred rogers is also i'm very skeptical of him because like you know who, what is this dude what is he about he's kind of creepy and stuff you know because mr rogers always has sort of like a um mr rogers always kind of has like a little bit of like a pervy vibe have you ever felt that? <laughs> uh, it's been a long, 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 long time since I've watched anything Mr. Rogers related. He's just talking about like how like, uh, you know. dudes in a sweater. Yeah. I yeah. Guess. And he's saying like, won't you please be my neighbor? Yeah. You know? And like, hello, neighbor. It's <laughs> yeah. just like, I don't know, man. Like, mm -hmm. I'm you make me nervous. So like, this guy goes in to do like an interview with him. And... It turns into, um, like, through the course of him trying to interview Mr. Rogers, Mr. Rogers starts, like, interviewing him. And when he, like, uncovers a little bit of, like, that inner life that this dude has of, like, that pain and stuff, he, like, wants to help him. And the movie's kind of about Mr. Rogers trying to get this dude to grow, you know? Mm. But it's really cool because... They make it a point, and I've heard this in real life, too. It's like, Mr. Rogers was an amazing dude and very, very kind and considerate and gentle and all these different things. But he also, he also was angry, you know, somewhere in there. And, and they make it a point to kind of show you that this is somebody that's kind not by nature. This is somebody that's kind by effort, like through effort. Mm. They're that way. It's not their like standard. And there is, 
you can see it in Tom Hanks' performance a couple of times, where there's just at the way down, you can see that there's somebody that's actually a lot like the lead character, but he's just developed enough coping skills to understand how to kind of like let it go, you know, yeah. and do things that are constructive and they don't hurt him, they don't hurt anybody else, they just alleviate that tension, you know. It was very, very cool. Very timely for me this whole last year. Yeah. Uh, it was nice. I liked it a lot. Yeah. Um, See, it's one thing I like about these um, reviews that you give. Well, just in general, you know, it's something like I, it's something I hear of in, you know, the movie. And, mm-hmm. like, yeah, I guess I'd go see it, but I'm not really, like, top priority. Then, like, you know, I hear you talking about it. I'm like, all right, maybe that's something I would enjoy. Yeah. I mean, it's something that sounds like it should be pretty cool. I go, I, I see, especially with the, because um, I'm part of that theater chain thingy. Yeah. So, like, I get, I get three movies a week. So, I have opportunity, you know, usually usually late at night, I can, like, sneak in a movie before I have to go home, go to bed, and then get up to go to work again. Um, So, I kind of, like, I just, I've been experimenting. I've just been like, all right, I'm going to try this, or I'm going to try that. And that one, I don't know, there was something about, like, the overall tone of the, um, the overall tone of the trailers and stuff, where I was like, I think I need this movie. I'm, I'm pretty sure. I didn't know that I needed it. You know, mm. but, and when I first heard about it, I was like, oh, Mr. Rogers movie. I don't know what that's going to be like, but seeing the trailers, I was like, damn, I think, I I think it's important for me to go watch this. So I made the time. I made the effort. Also, Chris Cooper, I wanted to bring this up because it's so weird, but Chris Cooper is in it. He plays the lead actor's father and is kind of a dirt bag and i it just like i keep like it strikes me so strange because chris cooper has been every actor's rotten father in every goddamn movie like every single fucking movie he's always a shitty dad <laughs> yeah he okay so he was in i mean you Probably know off the top of your head how many movies he was in. He looks really familiar, but I'm like looking at the list of movies he was in. Uh, the only one that I think I've seen I was American Beauty. Yep. Shitty Dad. Yeah. Um, October Sky. October Sky. Shitty Dad. I don't think I've seen it. The Black um, Identity. That not, a shitty <laughs> not a Shitty Dad. Not a Shitty Dad. There was one other one, too. Oh, he was... Uh, uh, he was Oh yeah, the town. Yeah, he's Ben town. Affleck's shitty dad, <laughs> and um, and uh, the Amazing Spider-Man too. He was Norman Osborn, so he was Harry Osborn's shitty dad. All right, I'm seeing the Muppets pop up on here. Please don't tell me he's Kermit's shitty dad. Damn it! <laughs> no, it's very strange. He definitely like it feels like he's played one character for twenty years. Which is fine. He's very good at being a shitty dad. I hope he's a really nice dad. I think he life. probably is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But it was... Uh, yeah, I don't know. It was a good movie. I enjoyed it. And... Uh, other than that, I didn't see anything else this week, really. Yeah. I watched the latest episode of Watchmen 
which shifted a bunch of shit around really hard. Mm-hmm. Tore the rug right out from underneath all of us. There was a character from the comics that was hiding in plain sight. And you didn't realize it was him, but now it's like, holy fucking shit, here it comes. I love when they do shit like that. Oh. It's like, you, this whole time it was you. Yeah. Well, they it was so, they structured it funny because that character didn't even know that he was him. Really? Yeah, That's yeah. interesting. Yeah, very interesting. weird. So it was easy, to, it was an easy secret to keep because it wasn't like he was leading a dual identity or anything. He literally thought he was that, like, this guy. You know, this new guy. Imagine that. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know who this guy was or what part mm. he was playing originally before you guys found out that he was a character from the comics. But yeah. imagine, you know, yeah, I'm going to be a watchman. I got this small part, nothing crazy. And then you go, go, go. And they're like, oh, by the way, you're this fucking dude. Yeah. And you're like, whoa. What? Well, that's what happened because they, like, sent out a casting call for the character. And, like, the casting call was like, okay, we need somebody in their mid-30s, very muscular, um, very intense looking, uh, you know, blah, 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 like this call sheet thing, right? And then you're like, okay, like very muscular, like, all right, I'm going to try out for the role. And you go in, you're like, okay, who am I playing? And they're just like, you're like a suburban dad. And it's like, why do I, why does he need to be really muscular? He like is a stay-at-home dad on the show. Like, I don't, I don't even think he has like a job that I've noticed. Yeah. It's very strange. But... I don't know. It was cool. He's 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 screwing all of us out of the whole dad bod situation. Yeah, it's not good, man. He's like, look, I'm a dad. (laughs) I'm a dad, and I'm ripped. I'm like, fuck you, sir. (laughs) It's like this was our chance. This was our chance. A golden opportunity swept right through our fingers. (sighs) Guess we gotta start working out again. The winter kills it, dude. It's like I just am so unmotivated. Life kills it. <laughs> Life kills it. <laughs> um, big update for the show is we're now distributed everywhere, which is pretty cool. Basically, on every platform I can fucking think of, except I don't think they gave us a Stitcher link, but I think we're on Apple Podcasts now, we're on Breaker, Radio Public... A couple of other ones. I searched on Google Play and I didn't see us. Yeah, I didn't see us on there too. That's the one link that isn't working. The Apple one is. Mm-hmm. The Apple one's there. That's the big one, right? That's Yeah, that's like yeah. the... They say like if you don't have your podcast on Apple, you ain't really podcasting at all, son. So you know what that means. We're we, really podcasting now. Yeah, son. this is the first episode. We're a big deal now. We're on Apple Podcasts, so... Yeah. It's true. We'll remember you all. Yeah, we don't have time for time for your shit. <laughs> what the fuck we're doing? We finally hit the big time, and then we alienated our fucking audience. <laughs> um. Also, though, that came with the caveat that uh, we have to. Uh, we have to. We sold out. We had to change our logo mm-hmm. so that there's not. You wouldn't mind. It's a censored swear. It's like no worse than what you would see in like a comic book word bubble. But Apple apparently has a problem with it, and a lot of other people use Apple standards as their own. So had to change that logo. WT Fada. Now people that are looking at the podcast will have no idea what it stands for, but hopefully that will create the intrigue necessary for them to tune in and find out that it stands for what the fuck are we talking about? 
Dun dun dun. Dun dun dun. And the, hopefully they stay and listen to the rest of it. It's true. Yeah. Oh, speaking of which, uh, WT Fada giveaway one. Keep at it, guys. No one's claimed the prize. I, I keep wondering if it's going to happen. Yeah. I'm just going to get hung with that $25 gift card. We're not just going to give it out to like the first or second person that fucking does it. You know, we might. We won't. Well, no, <laughs> we can't. Right? We need to have a little respect for ourselves. A little bit. A little bit. Well, you know, maybe for the first person to do it, we'll just give it to you. <laughs> it's just taking so long. I'm telling you. I mean, whatever we, uh, you know, you can win. You can win. Amazon gift card and the stickers. But we we kind of stole the stickers. But we'll, we'll get you more. We'll get you yeah. more, baby. Indeed, Promise. We all deserve it. No. So you can have the money. Holy we'll shit! Get the stickers. <laughs> no. We'll get we'll get stickers. I promise. Um, is there anything else? Was there something else that I I I always do this? I keep thinking about. I had some things that we didn't clear up or we didn't mention on the Doctor Sleep show, and I just wanted to just point out like a couple of things i'm trying to remember them specifically but one of the big ones is that at some point there's going to be a shirt available that is uh uh the guy going to rose and saying like rose we have a problem and her being like not now and him being like rose it's grandpa flick he's cycling and it's gonna have that and then the last image in like this comic is gonna be like Grandpa Flick on a little on bicycle. A bike. <laughs> <laughs> Wee! And, and like, God damn it! <laughs> Keep our eyes on that fucking guy. <laughs> uh, That's fucking awesome. I love that. Every like, every, so like in the book, it was much more um, like they kind of like built up the idea of what cycling was. Mm-hmm. So that you knew what the fuck they were talking about when they said it. And in the movie, it comes out of left field. And, like, I'm surprised that not more people were like, what the fuck difference does it make if the old guy wants to take a ride? Yeah. yeah. You know? <laughs> and I remembered uh, the, the other thing that I wanted to say about that was, um, remember we were talking about how they took out a bunch of the the true knot um, at the end of the book. And I couldn't remember how that happened. Mm-hmm. It was that they got measles. So, like, Grandpa Flick dies. He dies of measles. Mm -hmm. And then, basically, Danny, like, when he's up on the grounds of the Overlook, there's, like, this little cabin that they're all in. And basically, like, he... He he had... he released, like, more of that, like, he released steam that had measles in it, essentially. And it basically, like, just caused them all to cycle really fast. I don't mm. know, Stephen King was out of ideas. He was just yeah, like, oh, that's sounds, what's going to happen. Sounds like it, yeah. It was very weird. <laughs> yeah, that would have pretty much for a film. Yeah, yeah. You still got the Rose fight, mm-hmm. but it was strange. Yeah. Uh, I kind of like the idea of the true not being, like, smaller and them kind of getting wiped out in gunfire and van crashes. Yeah. That's, more, that's much better for me. Um. Yeah, I think that's pretty much it for off topic. I don't have anything else. Yeah, I think we're ready to roll out, roll, uh, roll forward. Yeah, let's let's get into it.
We are also once again brought to you by Ron-III-Art.Redbubble.com. Uh, go on there, you can check out all of my work, and also, pinned right to the top of the page for your convenience, is the WT Fada Collection. Get some merch. Get some merch. Helps us out. And, uh, you know, if you love the show, you know, show it, you know. Um, yeah, there's a lot of great stuff on there. Good quality stuff. Really happy with what uh, John and I got. We talked about the t-shirts. Um, I also have that notebook, and I think John said he was thinking about getting the Bob Lazar Space Pimp shirt, which would be fucking fantastic. I'm uh, excited to see how that one came out. If it came out good, I'm going to grab one too, because I'm a self-promoting whore. But, hey, that's what I do. Um, yeah, so uh, check it out. R-O-N dash I-I-I dash A-R-T dot redbubble dot com Yesterday December 7th 1941 a date which will live in infamy Okay, so uh, today is the 78th year anniversary of the attacks on Pearl Harbor, 1941. Um, and it was really kind of strangely serendipitous that I can't not bring up Batman in our podcast because I mentioned this whole thing last week. Yeah. And it was funny because not only did I mention it, but I, I mentioned the exact conspiracy theory that we're going to be talking about. Because that's, that's the conspiracy theory that Gordon was mentioning in that amazing Batman book. Yes, that's, that's what the fuck we're talking about today. That's what it is. Is conspiracy theories revolving the, the Pearl Harbor attacks. Yeah. Which... The idea of it is basically that... They question whether Franklin Delano Roosevelt uh, knew that the Pearl Harbor bombings were going to happen and allowed them to occur so that he could get the will of the American people behind a war effort. Um, basically, his thought process being that if we weren't all in it together, I mean, have full American support to get everybody to, you know, donate their paper products so that they could be turned into things for the troops and, you know, go and work in these factories and build these war machines and stuff. If we didn't get everybody on board with we have to do this to protect ourselves, that we wouldn't have... We wouldn't have won the war. We, the Allied troops, yeah, we've run the risk of being like those Americans that are like, we're the only ones that ever fucking did anything. We fucking we won that fucking war, yeah. you know. <laughs> Churchill's a fucking pussy. Yeah. You know? 
Um, what do you think? I don't know how to start, so we'll start with that. Crazier things have happened. Yeah. You know. Yeah. You know, so it's... I mean, as much as I'd hate to say that, like, something like that does make sense, I mean, I wouldn't have the heart to make that call. You know, I don't think I'd have the gusto to be like, I'm just going to let these people get fucked up. Yeah. Know, yeah. Really good. You know, morality comes into question there. And it's like, well, you know, me, I'm, I'd be, uh, you know, maybe we'd be able to, we'll do we just fine without it. We'll figure it out. Yeah. Like, people, I feel like shouldn't have to die. You know? Right. For the whole concept of war is just... It's just silly to me, you know. You stay over there, we'll stay over here. No problems. It sucks, though, because, like, in that instance, like, what was happening in Germany, you know, was, like, you know, it started out with, like, it was just on German soil, you know, when you're having, like, people getting wiped out by their own government legally, mm. you know, because Hitler was... You know, with the he's pretty tricky with the paperwork. It was a slow build up to everyone realizing, like, oh shit, he has like complete control over everything. Yeah. You know, <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, it's a tough. It, it was a it was a dark period of time leading up to, um, leading up to those attacks that you know launched us into the war. You know, mm -hmm. but a lot of people are really quick to point out that like it's not, it's it's easy to say like that's the inciting incident that got America into the war. But like we were involved in supplying aid to Britain to help them fight the Germans, um, and we had like uh, we had like a lot of like ships that their orders were like if you see a german u-boat just destroy it you know what i mean and this was before the war was official um so we were kind of involved and we were doing things it appears we were doing things specifically to piss off uh the people that we wanted to see lose you know mm -hmm. so japan and germany less so italy just because I think they were kind of like isolated enough. It's just like you have Germany's right on your, you know, is to your east. Uh, sorry. <clears throat> well, yeah, no. Yeah, Germany to your east. And then you have Japan to your west. So it's like those are the ones that you were most concerned about. And um, they were doing things uh, like... There's <clears throat> this guy, the secretary of... Uh, the Navy at the time was Frank Knox, and he said it was evident to me that we were pushing Japan into a corner. Um, we had made efforts to get the Germans to attack us. We were we were doing this on purpose. Yeah. Like we were doing this on purpose. We were like calling it. We were mm -hmm. calling for it to happen. Um, and he said that they had imposed conditions on Japan that they knew were they knew that they would never accept so they they knew that the reaction to the conditions would probably be an attack um 
and they kind of it seems like they were prepared to allow that to happen it's very strange yeah but we like you know it's funny like i i think of like the two times i think about the two times that we were like really iconically attacked i mean there's other instances like the burning of the white house uh the british did stuff like that but I think like Pearl Harbor and 9-11 are kind of like the big, like, these are the two, like, really put us on our asses, you know, and they mm -hmm. just go like, oh, shit, we're vulnerable, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and the parallels, I feel like between, because there's conspiracy theories around 9-11, too, that are very similar, that are like, huh? that are like, basically, that we were trying to get into a war with the Middle East for oil at that in the 9-11 thing. So big financial reasons, um, which is, you know, I don't know how, I don't know where I stand about the 9-11 conspiracy stuff. That was an inside job. Yeah, I don't know. It doesn't, I can't, there's weird shit. But anytime something like, like there's so many pieces happening all mm -hmm. at once and it's hard to I always get weirded out about building seven in New York. Mm -hmm. It was like a separate building that was not hit by a plane and like it was like five o'clock and it just fell over. It was yeah. like, what the fuck? Why? Why? And then you find out that that was a building that was like the, the CIA kept their paper records in. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, that seems like they were like, oh, shit, we got a good reason to get rid of all of that stuff. <laughs> like, start fresh and no one will ever know. Mm. You know? Yeah. Know. Lots of weird stuff going on. Yeah. Um, That's all speculation, though. I mean, from what I, yeah, I've heard, it's, it is suspect. But, you know, you never really know. Right well, I think, like, I think that the, I think that Pearl Harbor kind of, uh, sort of invites that skeptical eye because I don't like we started out trying to talk about this like it was going to be a conspiracy theory I don't even feel like it's a conspiracy theory I think they I think they kind of knew mm -hmm. but and they were kind of doing it on purpose um but it's it's sort of tricky though because like uh I have like a quote from it was Roosevelt's administrative assistant, Jonathan Daniels, and he said the blow was heavier than he had hoped it would necessarily be, but the risks paid off, the loss worth the price. Someone actually said that shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty like that's pretty blatant. Mm -hmm. You know? Like he was surprised by the fact that it was so devastating but he had still hoped for some type of an attack yeah something to launch a war over you know mm -hmm. it's very strange there's a there's a weird political climate at this time because americans are like they're kind of like close the borders, you know, and mm -hmm. like it's it's everyone else's problem, not ours. And it's like it'll be your problem eventually. Like you think the Germans are gonna hit like they're gonna hit the English, you know, the 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 the, the UK, 
going to take that over. And then they're just going to be like, all right, good. We're all set now. Mm. No, they're just going to go right across the ocean. And it's going to be your for all. Mm. Um, So, but there was a lot of people that just didn't want to engage with it, didn't care about it. And they were just like, let's just focus on us. And I think that, I think that that, that situation here contributed to the necessity for something to happen that gets us riled up enough to fight, right? But then there's also this weird thing called the tri, tripartite pact. Oh, Jesus. I'm so sorry. Um, <laughs> but it's like it's between Germany, Italy, and Japan, and it was for the countries to aid each other in defense, but defense only. So this presents like an interesting, like diplomatic problem to like for us, because if we, we're we're looking across the Pacific and we're looking at what Japan is doing and they're like, they're just as crazy as the Nazis. They're like, they rolled into China and they just fucking like wiped out. I, I think it's still the the most reported loss of life like per hour that they like. It, it went on for like three or four days. It was a gigantic massacre, and like, um, and they they weren't gonna stop either. Like they were the same way. They just wanted more and more and more, you know, and. Uh, so we were kind of watching that, but you know, your heart your heart goes like, "Oh, we we want to try to help, we want to try to fix it." But imagine us going and we're like, "Okay, we're going to fight Japan because this is all fucked up, right?" But now you have like these two other big big players that are like, "Well, we made that pact, like they're being attacked, so we can aid them in defending themselves." Mm-hmm. And now we're at war with like three countries. Whereas goading one of them into attacking us first that means that it's offense see what i'm saying yeah interesting so it was like a chess game where they were like well if we if we do it that way then germany and italy don't have to do anything and they won't right because they're gonna say they're gonna say well that's your problem because you did that you know and we don't want to spend our troops helping you wage a war against another country. If something had happened, we would have been there to back you up. But that's not what occurred. It's very weird. <laughs> like, the rules of engagement around this whole thing are strange. I don't understand it. It doesn't make sense to me at all. Because no. I'm like, I'm like, okay. So, <clears throat> as... Like, my... my feeling is I don't necessarily think that you I'd be like really careful about this but like my my thought process in this situation is that if you it feels like it's games like it's game playing and doesn't speak to the severity of the situation. So mm-hmm. if you're in charge and you're getting the intelligence and you know that the situation in Germany is spiraling out of control, in Europe 
spiraling out of control. Japan just like shot across the sea into China and like their impact there is devastating. Um, And you know all of this stuff and you know that they're not going to stop. And it's like, it's a pretty good reason just to be like, okay, I know that the American people don't like this, but we got to go to war. And instead it's like they, they're, they have to play like these games around rules that I don't even know. I guess it's a pretty good bet that Italy and Germany wouldn't have aided Japan in offense. Mm-hmm. But it depends on, and, and they also, they would, I don't know, the U.S. government would have had more information than I do about the situation. But strategically, it makes sense that you wouldn't want to, if you're busy trying to take over England, that you would not be like, oh, you know how you attacked America? Well, we're also going to take half of our troops that are busy doing this important task for our empire. We're going to give them to you so that you can take over like the West Coast of America or something, right? It, It makes sense. I guess. But it does seem very like tenuous, like it's a lot of guesswork because because what if what if the in- information's wrong and like what Roosevelt's getting, what Churchill's getting, what if it's all like what is not quite accurate and what if like we're trying to goad Japan and Germany into a fight and what if they together are like okay, well you hit the west, we'll hit the east and we're just going to roll onto both sides that's you know a, that's exactly what i was thinking too yeah they clearly had some type of relationship with that pact you know right. which is like only defense right you know but if you beat them into an offensive attack i mean it's not like they had a you know anything against aiding an offense right you know so they could just call up germany be like hey this is what we're gonna do you know can you help us out here you know what's to stop them from saying no yeah you know Call up Italy, I mean, if it's going to benefit, you know, I'm sure that Japan is like, hey, it's going to benefit you this way. Mm-hmm. You know, if we just team up and do it, do it like this, you know, like you said, it's a lot of guesswork, you know. It but is. When, you're, when you have that information in front of you where it's like, all right, so we can, we can attack Japan and like almost certainly they're going to get uh, help or we could bait them into an attack and then at least there's a chance that... You know, we're not going to have two other countries involved when, right. we, when we strike back. Right. So, I mean, obviously, that's like when you look at it cut and dry like that, you know, the choice is obvious. Yeah. What do you want to do there? I mean, it's tough because I, I don't I don't like the idea that we. I don't like the idea that Pearl Harbor like needed to happen. Yeah. I but agree. I also kind of feel like maybe it, maybe it did. In the in the in the big story, mm-hmm. in the big story of the war of the history of mankind, it's like it's really unfortunate that it occurred. But I also think that they're right. I mean, I, I think that we really needed everybody to be on board with the war effort. We needed nobody to question it, you know, because if they had, we would have, you know, I don't think that we would have stopped. Germany or Japan's different, but I don't know. Germany was like a big machine, mm-hmm. you know, and it was just all it was trying to do was make itself larger and larger. And 
I honestly, I don't, I don't really feel like they were going to, they, they weren't going to give up, you know, I don't think they were going to slow down. I think that if they had made any amount of progress in Russia or England, I don't think that, I think that it would have been over mm-hmm. 100%. Those two, those two fronts holding steady was important, you know, and, and us getting involved before that happened also. You know, because um, uh, you know, like our our trade relations and stuff. Like we we wouldn't have had. I mean, granted, we did a lot more here back then, but there just wouldn't have been. Like we're ferrying support to England. You know, mm-hmm. England and us are like trading we're on good terms and stuff and like you knock that out and it's like okay well that's gone and then if we were getting stuff from anywhere in asia like there's no way like japan kind of had that all that shit locked down you know well it's like we would have been isolated um from pretty much the entire world at that point you know because the, the 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 people that were fighting the wars, you know, we would have been completely isolated from. Because then our only ally, if they, if England fell, the only ally we would have had would have been Russia. And even then, like, you're still separated, geographically speaking. I mean, I know Japan's a tiny island, but like, it's not. You need to understand how powerful. They were. They were yeah. ferocious fuckers back then. You know, like it was insane. It wasn't. It wasn't a bunch of like Hello Kitty. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it was not that. Um, not what it is now. No, I'm just kidding. Hello Kitty and tentacle porn. Yeah, that's it. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. What? <laughs> we just jump back and forth, man. I never thought I'd hear Hello Kitty and tentacle porn in the same sentence. Don't check my search history. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh no! Fuck. Moving on. I feel on. like too much stuff is coming out about me on this show. <laughs> this show is a mistake. Um, I'm running a lot. Yeah. I'm sorry. I keep eating your peanuts. It's just. It's all right. In front of me, it's addicting. My nuts in your oh. mouth. No complaints. Yeah, it's nothing new. <laughs> I can't get enough of them. The show's going off the rails fast. Also, part of the bag for next week's episode. I'll bring the nuts. <laughs> the, the nut bag? Yeah. Right. I'll bring the nut bag. <laughs> Thanks. And you can indulge. I will. Quite tasty. <laughs> Way too salty. <laughs> Never. <laughs> All right. Um, let's see. I wrote down like a bunch of stuff. Um, and like some of it, like it's just damning. Like, they knew something was happening and they were trying to make it happen. Mm. It really, like, it, it's not a conspiracy theory. Um, there was this guy, Mark Perillo, who wrote an essay, an essay uh, called The United States in the Pacific. And he said that these theories tend to founder on the logic of the situation. Had Roosevelt and other members of his administration known of the attack in advance, they would have been foolish to sacrifice one of the major instruments needed to win the war just to get the United States into it. Which is 
sound logic because we lost a lot of ships and and carriers and stuff. That's true. Um, that's sound logic. But also, you have to remember that FDR didn't think that that's what was going to happen. He thought Japan would torpedo like a like a shipping vessel or something. You yeah. know, he yeah. didn't think that he was they were going to try to wipe out our naval fleet in the Pacific. <laughs> you know, that never occurred to him. So. While I understand the logic, you can't say that you can't say that the outcome of events that he didn't know influenced his decision making leading up to those events because he just didn't know that that was going to happen, mm-hmm. you know. So I kind of I get where he's coming from, but also I think that it's kind of naive to think that. I don't. Th- I don't think FDR was planning on sacrificing most of the ships that they had in Hawaii. <laughs> no, I don't think that they were going to do that. that way. Um, there's. Uh, there's also CBS correspondent Edward R. Murrow, who was there that day at the White House. He was at the White House the day of the attack, and he said that he. Uh, in interacting with Roosevelt following the news, uh, he said that Roosevelt seemed slightly less surprised by the attack than everyone else. Mm-hmm. And I think probably what he was sensing was Roosevelt going like, "Oh shit! Yeah, oh oh shit! Like it, it, what I wanted to have happen happened, but it was it was too big. It was yeah. too big. It was too big. Like Jesus Christ!" Um, uh, later on, though, uh, somebody asked Murrow about that quote that he had given. And he said that his words, uh, the full story, he, he says that the full story would pay for his son's college education. And he said, if you think I'm going to give it to you, you're out of your mind. Which makes it sound like he knows explicit details mm-hmm. and stuff. But then again, he never writes that book. Can you look up when he died? Because I'm really curious about something. What's his full name? Uh, Edward R. Murrow, Edward... CBS. M M U R R O W. Let's see. Let's see. Pull up Wikipedia on this bitch. Wikipedia. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's a podcaster's best friend. Hmm. Donate, guys. They're asking for money this time of year. Give them some money. I know I don't. He died um, April 27th, 1965. He was 57 years old. Yeah. I mean, 20 years. I was just thinking, like, it'd be funny if he was like, you know, the full story would pay for my son's college education. And I'm going to write that book. And then all of a sudden he, like, dead the next day, yeah. you know, <laughs> because if it was something like that. I'd be like, shit, like, maybe there is something to this. Like, mm-hmm. maybe they knew exactly what was going to happen. You know, I think they had a guess. I think that they were working under an assumption that they would be attacked in some way. They just didn't expect it. Yeah. Big, you know. Yeah. Um, well, like you said, Japan, a bunch of savages, man. They were, they were doing, yeah. You know, so it's like kind of. Do you know a lot of their like history, like no. especially in China? History, not my, not my forte, my man. History, their, the situation in China, um, the it, it, they they just like rolled in, dude. They just rolled in and just like started massacring people. Oh my god. 
there's photos um i think it's like the the ma- i'm so terrible with this but like the massacre at uh, nanjing or something maybe but there's photos and it just is like it's just bodies just yeah. bodies like whew, like as far as the eye can see and it's just like it's horrible horrible it's wild man how you can get your whole country to just you know i i think about what makes people be able to brutally murder another person you know and mm-hmm. I, I like to think that it's it's rare like it's not you don't see it that often where you have you meet someone who is like that and then you have a whole country that's just like you know or at least a lot of people well who are like yeah i can go in and do that whether you mm-hmm. you know you can get someone riled up you can kind of manipulate them to doing your dirty work for you but like mm-hmm. you get out there and just to because like I, I like to think not everybody has that in them you know, I know everybody's capable mm-hmm. of uh, doing some pretty fucked up shit, but to do that, that takes it takes something else. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about about like I have I don't know I question good and evil and mm. humanity and all of that stuff because I can't tell I can't tell I can't tell with myself I can't tell with other people like I look at the things that happened in World War Two, the things that like people were doing and allowing to have happen and encouraging to have happen. And like we're we are so close to that. It's not like we've evolved. Mm-hmm. We're basically the same the same organism. Yeah. And if they could do horrendous shit, that means that you know, I could do horrendous shit. And that that's haunting to me because what's in those soldiers, what's in those people that committed those horrendous acts is in us too, you know? Yeah. And that's, you know, I'm like well aware everybody is capable mm-hmm. of doing just unspeakable things, you know? And, but I just imagine just brutally murdering another person, you know? And I just feel like that's something that not a lot of people have. Like, it, like something needs to happen to make you that way, to, like, push you that far. Mm-hmm. You know, I, like, to me, you know, a, a good cause or, you know, a, a good cause in disguise or whatever, you mm-hmm. know, is not enough. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, maybe... You can do some things from afar, but to go in and just clear house like that. I mean, it, like, it was men, women, children, babies. Yeah. Like, it was everybody was, you know, on the on the bayonet. You know, it was fucking what Japan did in China. It was fucking, like, really, really intense. I mean, really horrible. You know, this is videos online. You see people just like street fights, you know, someone mm-hmm. gets clocked pretty good and you got a bunch of people who laugh and make fun of them. But like, I see that shit and I'm like, damn, dude, I feel bad for that person. Yeah. You know, it's like tough to see. Yeah, <laughs> it is. Like I couldn't imagine being that animalistic to, to take it to a whole new level. Wild, man. Wild. Maybe I'm just, uh, maybe I'm just a bitch. I've always said that. <laughs> No. Thanks. <laughs> no, I no, I totally get what you're saying, but I also think too that like we're kind of creatures of um like social psychology, 
you know there's this thing that um there's it's like the the things that I bring up every show it's going to be Batman or serial killers those are those are the two <laughs> things um but in the case of serial killers you have people that are deranged loners right and then like they find somebody else so like Otis Otis Tool and Henry Lee Lucas found themselves and they were possibly lovers even uh both incredibly sick individuals and their crimes escalated exponentially having found each other and then you find like uh Fred West and his wife Rosemary who they their crimes like their crimes their victimology it was mostly their own offspring you know and so so those crimes wouldn't have occurred at all because those people wouldn't have existed right or you have Paul Bernardo and uh and Carla Hamolka who the first victim was her her younger sister and then there was a girl named Leslie Mahaffey and a girl named Kristen French before they were stopped. Paul was already committing sexual assaults, but once Carla became involved, then they it, it turned into murders, not just sexual assaults. So it's like <clears throat> there are these people that are out there that... Even David Parker Ray, who's the toy box killer, um, he had he had a girlfriend that was helping him, and one of his daughters, one of his daughters, like drugged her friend's drink, and then delivered her friend to her father for what he needed. Jesus. Yeah, it's fucking terrifying. But that's the thing is like, it it, it appears that these people have like an inclination to do something bad and then they're put in a situation with other people where they say this is what i'm thinking about and then if those other people are like oh yeah that would be like that would be great or they go along with it or they agree with it then that person winds up doubling down so it's like and then it turns into a competition where each person is trying to outdo the depravity of the other person mm. so that they can be the most something. Yeah. You know what I mean? So we're like victims of, of social psychology in that way. So when it comes to a situation like that where you have this big war machine that's rolling in and just gonna wipe out, you know, everything. If you have one guy that's like, Yeah, I don't care, I'll I'll bayonet a lady and then it's like, Oh yeah, well, yeah, but like I'll bayonet a kid, and it's like I'll bayonet a baby because you like they're trying to be the most uh, ferocious. See what I mean? Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah, they're no, trying to I be mean... the most cruel and and um, like heartless, yeah, or something. It's like no, a competition to be sense. the worst. I, you I know? I mean, I can't relate. If no, it's like, hey man, I'll bayonet that lady. I'd be like. Probably shouldn't. Bayonet yourself, motherfucker. Yeah, do it to yourself, yeah. man. Yeah. But I think that, that like that's part of that whole thing. I think that's the same reason why like the German Empire was what it was. Because everybody was like, well, I'm going to be 
they w- they woke up every morning and they said, I'm going to be the best Nazi I can be. One big dick swinging contest. Yeah. Yeah. Over, like, bragging rights for something that should not be bragged about. Mm. You know? Like, something that you should just be like, okay, that's fucking terrible. And just <laughs> move on from it. Like, can you guys just, like, play horse? You know, shoot some hoops. Right. Right? <laughs> something like, constructive? I'm going to shoot a layup. Well, I'm going to fucking dunk it. All right, you got me. <laughs> that weird guy that's like, I'm going to bayonet a baby. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're like, dude, just a basketball game. Calm down. <laughs> this show's this show's off the rails, dude. This is a, this is a tough episode. Okay. <laughs> it's going in any direction, man. Just roll with it. It's what it is. It's a two-hour conversation. Um, let's see. Probably not two hours. I don't know. Um, so ten days before the... I thought this was really interesting. This is ten days before the attack. Henry L. Stimson um, met with Roosevelt to discuss the evidence of impending hostilities with Japan. Um, what they talked about was literally this question. How do we maneuver Japan into firing the first shot without allowing allowing too much danger to ourselves? Hmm. Um, and a lot of people jumped all over this report because they were like, well, you know, then you guys knew and you didn't do enough to protect and blah, blah, blah. Stimson claims that the commanders at Pearl Harbor had been warned of the possibility of an attack. He said General Short who was in Honolulu, um, had been told two things. A war with Japan is threatening, and hostile action by Japan is possible at any moment. And both were stated without... uh, So both were stated on November 27th, um, 1941. So it was like a week and a half before this happened. Mm Mm-hmm. And later he says, uh, he says, given these two facts, the outpost commander should be on the alert to make his fight. To cluster his airplanes in such groups and positions that in an emergency, they could not take, they could not take the air for several hours and to keep his anti-aircraft ammunition so stored that it could not be promptly and immediately available and to use his best reconnaissance system, radar, only for a very small fraction of the day and night in my opinion, betrayed a misconception of his real duty, which was almost beyond belief. A little blaming the guy at Pearl Harbor, who should have been in charge of defense. Right. Because he's saying that they gave him that information. And that dude was just like, yeah, but like, dude, it's Hawaii. Look at this place. You know, he was on the beach, like, sipping a Mai Tai, and all of a sudden he was like, is that a Japanese fighter? Oh, shit. You know? Like... (laughs) Yeah, I mean, but you also have to wonder, like, is that true? Stimson could could just be covering his ass. That's Mm -hmm. the thing. is like every time you get into, like, what history is like, people are so fucking unreliable. I know. You never know. You never know. I think that's why I never paid too, too much attention. I'm like, this is the story you're giving me. But you don't know. But, I, you know, you don't know. You know? Dude, do you have a simple game... Of telephone in kindergarten. 
you know, you say the word dog goes all the way around. You have the word like peanut butter. Yeah. The fact that I drew those two together <laughs> is one. I chose the basic animal, a dog, and we're eating peanuts. <laughs> You're sick, man. I saw it on your face. <laughs> I didn't say it. I made two innocent connections, and I'm looking at your face, and I'm like, oh, no, what did I just say? He pulled up a Rorschach test that looks like a dick. I'm going to say it's a dick. <laughs> you know, like, I don't know what the fuck you want me to do. <laughs> fuck. I'm trying to do a show, John. What are you doing to me? <laughs> point being... <laughs> go. Go. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> I can't it's a serious topic and I just ruined it okay. <laughs> we're gonna simple have to cut game. like 20 minutes of us laughing yeah I'm probably gonna have to cut that out <sighs> what simple game of telephone you go so into left field yeah so just off that basis itself. <laughs> you need to calm down. I can't. It's like word association. Yeah. Yeah. Dog. <laughs> you need to see a therapist, sir. Just put him in a straight jacket and get him out of here. Listen, man. I love dogs. I love peanut butter. <laughs> Separately. Right. No, you're going to be like, why not put them together? No, no, no. no. <laughs> I mean, yeah, no, no. Oh, fuck. I'm sweating. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> oh, my God. I really like this show. <laughs> <laughs> um... There's also this thing from uh, Commander McCollum, uh, Arthur H. McCallum, Lieutenant Commander of the Office of Naval Intelligence. Um, he says that October, no, so, so no, in October, on, oh Jesus, on October 7th, 1940, he submitted a memo to Navy Captains Walter S. Anderson and Dudley Knox, which is weird because there's, it's also Secretary of the Navy, Frank Knox, that we talked about. I wonder if there's a relation there. Um, um, it, de it details eight actions which might have the effect of provoking Japan into attacking the United States, and it remained classified until 1994. Huh. So they were definitely trying to cover that up, you yeah. know. Um, section 9... and. Sections 9 and 10 are referred to as the smoking gun. Um, they're considered the smoking gun, and they're central to the high-level plan to lure the Japanese into an attack. Uh, evidence that made it to Roosevelt is circumstantial at best, though. Mm. But still, the fact that like our government has documents discussing it is very strange, you know? 
Um, and see if there's anything else here that I wanted to throw out. There was Leonard T. Garreau, who was head of the Army War Plans, and his he had written that one of our present major objectives is avoidance of war with Japan. But it would it seems like the Navy is more involved with the idea of trying to provoke Japan because then again that's their that's their purview. Oh. You know, they're on the water in the same you know in the same water as Japan. You know, yeah. so it makes sense that they're more comfortable being like, no, this is going to happen. Yeah. You know. Um, Harold Rainsford Stark said any strength we send to the Far East would reduce the force of our blows against Germany which makes sense he was arguing that if we were going to do anything we should just hit Germany yeah um, it's pretty much what I have written down as far as like the facts pertaining to it and the rest is just kind of like the speculation of like, what does it mean, you know? Mm -hmm. And I really feel like it. I, I'm sympathetic to the idea that that they knew that they knew. It yeah. seems like a lot of signs point that way. That's what I mean. Is like I was looking at this like it was going to be a conspiracy theory, and I don't think it's. A consp I think they knew that something was going to happen. Mm -hmm. I, I think that they were surprised by what it was. Yeah, you know. And then. Um, you know, it's it's like you know something's gonna happen. And I mean, I know they said that they they told the guy expect an attack. You know, mm -hmm. whether that's the truth or not. But I mean, I think if I think an attack enough, even if like you come out victorious, I think that's enough to kind of get people behind the cause. Don't you think? I would I would think so. I mean, is, even if you you know successfully defend the attack and it's not, you know, the casualties aren't as high, you still lose people. You still scare people. You still piss people off. You know? Yeah. So, like, be prepared for it. Be prepared to win. You know, the attack itself is enough. If that's if that's your mindset, I think it's enough. I don't think... Mm -hmm. But, you know, then again, you know, he was expecting maybe something small. Like you said, torpedo a ship, you know? <sighs> I don't know. There's a lot. There's a lot going on there. How many people? Like, how many people died in the Pearl Harbor attack? Because I mean, it was it was it was really it was all out war. It was the real deal. Mm, let's see. Two thousand four hundred and three Americans were killed, and <sighs> just over eleven 1 hundred were wounded. Jesus were Christ. Sunk. Or run aground. And all of the Americans killed or wounded during the attack were non-combatants, given the fact there was no state of war when the attack occurred. Completely blindsided. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot. Mm. How long did it last? It was a... Because they showed up like at dawn, I I know that the sailors were pretty much all sleeping. Did you, uh, did you see what it was? I was going to ask you if you had a guess. <laughs> I, I don't, I'm not sure. 
How long do you think it lasted for? 2,000 people. <clears throat> I was honestly, I was thinking that it would have been... I, I would have said like five, six hours, something like that. 11 minutes, it says. 11 minutes? What yeah. the fuck? Pearl Harbor attack duration says about 11 minutes. Jesus Christ. Yeah, they just came and laid waste. How do they even make a movie about Pearl Harbor? <laughs> well, it says the torpedo planes inflicted most of the initial damage to the ships at Pearl Harbor. The torpedo attack lasted about 11 minutes and then was followed by bombers. So maybe it was long. Oh, okay. All right. Hmm. I was going to say I'm like 11 minutes. That's just... About 11 minutes. That's fucking crazy. But I mean, they did a lot. They did most of the damage, it says. Yeah. Let's see if we can get. Uh... Then it was just planes and kamikazes. Yeah. Want to hear something sick? Sure. So, my grandmother was Japanese. That's right. You are um, a little bit of Japanese, right? <laughs> yeah. Only where it counts. Um, <laughs> um, but she, uh, you know, it was all, it was, you know, the people in the neighborhood were really friendly with her and everything and mm -hmm. they goofed around. And one of the things they goofed around about was like, you know, her race and everything. And, uh, they used to call her cookie fortune cookie, you know, uh, that was her nickname cookie. Mm -hmm. Um, it was so cute at first. It was. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, it was cute. It is cute. It's just, it was good old fashioned, you know, mm. tone deaf racism. Yeah. Um, but it, she played along with it and she thought it was funny too. Mm -hmm. But one of the things that I heard a pretty good story was, uh, one of, <laughs> one of the days, one of the Pearl Harbor days, the people in the neighborhood were like, Oh, Hey cookie, what are you doing? What are you doing? You get, you're going to drink a little later. And she was like, I don't know why. And they were like, oh, we thought that you were going to have like some kamikazes. <laughs> yeah. Jesus. And then it turned into a, like it turned into a tradition. My grandmother, my Japanese grandmother uh -huh. would have kamikazes on December 7th. Every year? Every year. Wow. It was a thing. Wow. It's fucked up. This fucked up. That's why I'm like this. <laughs> I come by it honestly. <laughs> yeah. It's not my fault. <clears throat> um... So yeah, that's the this is the this is that conspiracy theory mm -hmm. which is you know, there's not there's not that much to say. It's an interesting topic, but I don't necessarily feel like it's a conspiracy theory mm. so much. However, this other one kind of is a little bit more, which is the uh the deadly double yeah, die the game. Die. Did you read about that? Yeah. What do you yeah. think? Let's give it. Let's give it an overview. So hang on. So the the deadly double die game is um there was an ad placed in a magazine, and it wasn't just one ad. There were also tags for the ad throughout the entire publication, and it was for this die game. It's billed as Chicago's favorite. Uh, favorite dice throwing game or something like that. Um, and basically what it depicts in the illustration for it 
are people hiding in an air raid shelter underground and above ground you can see explosions in the sky and you can see searchlights and stuff it's a full-on battleground right and then uh the text of it can you read the the actually can you find the actual text of the uh the full uh ad because there's there's a couple of things right at the beginning that are like the their warnings but i i'm not sure one of them seems like it's a warning in german which is very strange given the time period it's like three different versions of this one yeah right that looks like german to me Mm-hmm. and then warning and alerte which yeah. alerte might make me think italian mm-hmm. right so now you already have german in italy right am i is that crazy am i crazy no and then you have you, know, you have the 12 the only thing that's missing is like a japanese warning mm-hmm. you know it's very strange and yeah. then this this thing this thing right here uh that one this one right here yeah do you mind can you see that well enough to read what it says yeah all right so like ron said he painted the picture of uh you know it looks like a kind of like a fallen battleground out there Mm -hmm. right is that what that looks like oh yeah it's definitely it's a total battleground there's searchlights looking up into the air you got then you scroll down you got a bunch of people they're all laughing smiling rolling die and then says under that it says, we hope you'll never have to spend a long winter's night in an air raid shelter. But we were just thinking. It's only common sense to be prepared. If you're not too busy between now and Christmas, why not sit down and plan a list of things you'll want to have on hand? Canned goods, of course. And candles. Sterno, bottled water, sugar, coffee or tea, brandy, and plenty of cigarettes. Sweaters <laughs> and blankets. Books or magazines. And vitamin capsules. And though it's no time, really, to be thinking of what's fashionable, we bet that most of your friends will remember to include those intriguing dice and chips, which makes Chicago's favorite game the Deadly Double Die. And that's it. The logo on the bottom is weird, too. It's like a double-headed eagle, mm-hmm. and there's a... Like a shield with a double X in there. Yeah. That's a very... I don't know. The whole thing, because like the eagle is like a is a Nazi symbol, you mm-hmm. know? Which is very strange. And then just like, I don't know, there's something weird about that whole thing. And I, I, so like, I I did some research because I was trying to track down when did the game originate? And, you know, like they were saying that it's Chicago's favorite, like favorite dice game, which is a really weird thing to say in the first fucking place. Yeah. But like, I found a date on one website and I don't know how reputable they are. But it said that it was like that game was created in 1941. Like, like the same, year, the yeah. same year that the attacks happened. And then they have this weird fucking ad that's talking to you about like what you should have on hand to be prepared for an incoming war. Yeah. And then the weird thing, too, is like the dice for the game. You're like, oh, well, that's just a coincidence and stuff. But it was made the same year. So it might not be. The dice for the game, like in the ad, it prominently features 12 and 7. It does. December 7th, right there. It is very, very odd. Some lady came forth and she said that her husband designed the game. And or hey, she had, he had created the game and then she had helped him design the ads for it. Mm-hmm. And she said that the FBI showed up and they were like 
So what what uh, what is this about? Really? Yeah. yeah and yeah, and but I guess the, she said that the FBI cleared them of any wrongdoing and all this shit. But like, <clears throat> like I looked up the Deadly Double game. Oh. I, I like I can't find anything about it that isn't related to Pearl Harbor. Yeah, you, yeah, you Google it and everything comes up. It has to do with Pearl Harbor. Doesn't that seem like it was just made just to do for this ad? One, yeah, for that one purpose. It's fucking bizarre. That is an interesting one. I want to like. I wish that I could like. I wish I could find more information, but it was very. It seems like it's very well guarded, mm-hmm. and like they just don't have all that much to give us. I sort of like, one of the things that they said was they thought it was specifically for like Japanese spies in America or something. And I, I don't know. It's, it's just weird because can we look up to if the, um, if the act tongue, and alerte are those are those german and italian <clears throat> alerte is also is in french and spanish hmm it would be weird if it was like two out of the three powers I was also wondering too about the Marnock Publishing Company, but that appears like it like legitimately is out of New York. Um, because I was wondering if it could have been something that's like you could tie it back to Japan or something. Yeah. Because <clears throat> they're the ones that put out the game. Italian says it looks like like Alerta, A L L E R T A. So. Okay. To the height. Okay, so that alert, alert, alerte with the E seems like it's French. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that kind of blows my theory out of the water then. Well, just for shits and gigs, I'll look up the other one. What is it? Act tongue like that? The high school? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Watch out. Watch out in German? Yeah. It's weird. It's a very strange... And the time period for which you're doing that mm-hmm. as an ad is incredibly strange. Like, why would you... In an American magazine, you're, like, putting out this German thing while well, we all know that, like, Germany's, you know, trying to start a fight with everybody, you know, <laughs> on the planet. Who knows? <clears throat> Maybe they were just trying to use it to their advantage. You know, like they have this small dice game that they come up with, and they're like, "Oh, well, this is going on." So that's know, interesting. Maybe they'll kind of bring more, um, you know, more awareness to the game. Yeah, because you have you have this German word. You have a picture of people in a air raid shelter, and at the bottom you have this imagery that's like that kind of looks like like Nazi stuff. Mm-hmm. So it would make you go like, "What the fuck is this?" Yeah, and you would start reading it. That is interesting. Kind of. That's a classic ad tactic. Builds up like the expectation of the game, like it's intense. You know, I don't know. Like kind of, yeah. Yeah. 
Like, you know, let's stay in and play this dice game, you know? There's a lot of scary stuff going on out there. That is interesting. Because that isn't that out of the... Like, that. there are people that do that now. Like, wasn't there that that diet Pepsi... No, is it that Pepsi commercial that was about giving a Pepsi to a to a cop like at the front lines of a protest and then everybody was just like yay pepsis and stuff and it was like this was coming out in at like at the same time that where's the where's the the where the riots that happened that they lasted a really long time i can't for, for f f I forget the name of the town that's terrible it was just a few years ago Oh, I don't know. All the stuff's starting to blend together with all the crazy oh, shit going God. on. It's just nonstop. Um, I can't remember, <clears throat> but it was just—it was just like really in poor taste. The ad because it was like, no, the reality of the situation is people are getting fucked up. Wait, that was an ad? You mean Kendall Jenner didn't solve world peace with mm-hmm. the Pepsi? Unfortunately, no. That's fake. Yeah, no. The, I get I get ads and news confused all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Some of the crazy shit you hear, and it's like that's not real, is it? No, it is. Okay. It's like I have a large number of people who think that Donald Trump is president. Yeah. I'm like, guys, it's a television show. <laughs> yeah. That would never happen in real life. We're being extremely sarcastic. I don't think that Kendall Jenner provides much value to anything never mind <laughs> giving a pepsi and solving <laughs> world peace it's true have this pepsi it's all good man it's all good it's all good i'm kind of jenner <clears throat> all right take this pepsi yeah i'm a jenner jenner yeah the daughter the daughter of dearly departed bruce yeah man all powerful mm-hmm most powerful family in all of in all the world, man. All the galaxy. They can do anything they put their minds to. Yeah. I don't know, John. I don't know about the show. <laughs> <laughs> I um losing it. we're losing it. We're losing it. We are. I don't know. The ad one is interesting, but I don't necessarily feel like there's enough there for me to be like, okay, yeah, that definitely is the case. Yeah. You know. I I, I it's interesting, but I, I think that of of these two, I think one is absolutely true, and the other one is a coincidence, and I don't think either of them qualify as a conspiracy. So this is a weird episode. Yeah. It's a very strange episode. Well, it's cool to kind of dive into this stuff, and, you know, I, on first glance, you, you think it's a conspiracy, and then you look into it and go, huh. There's more to it than I thought. Mm-hmm. Like the the advanced knowledge conspiracy theory. Like there is so much to it, and it's just increasingly obvious to me that like it it's not because a lot of people talk about it like it's this mythic like they they knew but like and it's like this whisper and stuff and it's like it's stated so plainly by so many people. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to be like you'd have to be a moron to think that they didn't know. You know, and I mean, I look when I say that, I'm not saying that like we thought 
it's, it's not they didn't know the exact details of what was going to happen, but mm-hmm. they knew that they were going to be attacked and they wanted it to happen. You know, it's very it's it. I think it the truth is that it's like it's splitting the difference between the two sides. It's not they didn't know at all. Why would they sacrifice all their their naval fleet in Hawaii over it? And then uh, the other side of it being like they knew exactly what they were sacrificing and they knew exactly how many people were going to die and they knew this and that and all this stuff. They didn't know that. They just had a basic idea of something that they needed to have happen for the greater good. And they were just surprised at how much of a sacrifice it actually became. You they know, awful more they could chew there, huh? They underestimated Japan, but they shouldn't have because they should have looked at what they did in China. Like the the if they had done what they did in China in Hawaii, it would be we this conversation would be like even even worse mm-hmm. in terms of what we would have to be talking about. Because the stuff that they did in China is, like, unspeakable, you know? And they, um, I mean, just, like, imagine, like, getting into a war with a country, and then when they go to, uh, when, when when the dust settles, and Japan has, you know, admitted defeat, and they're like, okay, we're gonna, like, not do anything anymore, and we're just gonna go back to being, like, a country and not a war machine, and then, like, the UN is like, okay, but also, you gotta change your flag. And they're like, why? And they were like, because it's like a terrorist image and you need to get rid of it. Like, you need to change it. Like, that speaks to how insane they were. Like, it's, it's, their flag is almost on the, like, it's on the scale of, like, a hate crime. <laughs> like, showing it. Because okay. it was originally, like, everybody knows the, the Japanese flag is the red yeah. dot, the red sun and on a white field but it used to be the red sun and there were stripes that mm-hmm. flew out from its center and like that is like that 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 would be like flying a nazi flag or something here you know or in yeah. germany like it's the same level of like that that meant you see that and it means that you're going to be killed or if they want something else from you, they're going to get that and they're going to kill you. And, gonna, you know, it just it meant all out domination and demolition, you know, and they were they were scary. They were scary. Like Germany, it's different. Germany is this like really efficient tac- tactical um, surging forward, you know. Mm hmm. Japan, it was to me. It felt much more human, and and that made it worse. Like because because Germany was cold in its in what it was doing, because it was like this is just a machine. It's a machine of death. It felt less um to like I have less of a visceral reaction to it. I know that it's just as horrible, but Japan rolled into town like with soldiers on foot that were just going like house to house to house to house to house and just wiping everybody out, you know? And, and that human element I think makes it that much more, um, haunting. Mm-hmm. You read about the shit that went on and it, uh, it's sobering. Yeah. I've seen this. I've seen the original flag 
a lot before, like in movies and stuff. Yeah. But um, not as a flag, though. Like, I've seen the symbol, and I had I didn't know that they, yeah. they had that as their flag, and they changed it after. Yeah. By, like, sanctions. Like, they were forced. Yeah. They were forced to change it. Like, you gotta get rid of the rays. We'll let you keep the red dot. You gotta get rid of the, the rays. Mm-hmm. You know? I think it, like, politically over there is probably the same as, like, the... Um, is probably the same as like the confederate flag is here you know uh or it's just like we probably probably don't need to have that out there mm-hmm. probably can just be like okay well this was associated with something so horrendous that it doesn't matter if it's heritage not hate i'm just gonna not put that out there so that everybody can just be comfortable yeah you know exactly. and i don't have to be an asshole <laughs> that's an entirely different subject i'm getting political on this show i don't yeah, want to i just say i just alienated one of our one of our viewers who's like driving around to general lee wearing daisy dukes <laughs> yeah. he's like i ain't listening to these fucking assholes anymore <laughs> oh. i don't know but yeah that's that's all i have for this one i mean this is like Anytime we do conspiracy ones, I'm always like, I always feel underprepared. I always feel like it's tighter. Mm-hmm. It's harder to do. There's a lot. There's a lot to it, man. There's yeah. A lot to it. I mean, some people study this shit, you know, like way deeper than we ever could. Yeah. And, and like, you know, we decided we were going to talk about this not even a week ago. Well, yeah, it's true. Just about a week ago. It's true. So. I'm not trying to get into like a stay in your lane situation, but I don't know. I mean, I like doing them. And they are interesting. They're a change of pace. Yeah. But they're harder. And I don't feel, I never feel as uh, as confident in them mm-hmm. as I do in the movie ones. Because the movie ones, we just like, those ones, we, we got that. Yeah. The television ones, entertainment. Mm-hmm. When shit starts getting real, it's, it's a lot harder. Yeah. But it's interesting. It is. And I it's like something. It. It's a, you know, it's as I, I want to be able to talk about conspiracies and stuff it's fun to dabble into every now and then yeah you know can't hurt. and especially like the far out ones because we have a couple on the docket that are more um like the anunnaki is one that i want to do which is like that there's like the the world is run by lizard people and we we don't realize it because there's there's a lot of that. That's goofy. This is like a conspiracy theory, but it's also like another one of those like somber episodes where you're like, oh Jesus, like mm-hmm. that's a lot of people that fucking died, you know? Um, which is tough. I can get behind lizard people. We know it. We're gonna we'll convince you all. I think. Yeah. I don't know. What do you think about lizard people? Anyways, do you believe it? No. Yes. You I think so? Maybe when we cover the episode, I'll give you a more definitive answer. Billy Corgan thinks so. The dude from the Smashing Pumpkins. Well, Billy fucking Corgan thinks so. He said he saw it. Out of me. He said he saw it. He was talking with Joe Rogan. He was like, I, I saw somebody turn into a lizard person. And then they like turned away from me. And then when they turned back, they were who they were. And they were like, sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. And Joe Rogan was like, You fucking saw that? And he was like, Yeah. And he was like, Who was it? And Billy Corgan was like, I I will I will tell you off the air who it was. But he, he never like they never revealed who that was. I don't know. When when crazy things like that come come up, you know, I, I always wonder, I'm like, all right. Was he like really sick? 
at the time? Was he hallucinating? Like, does he have anything going on? Did he take any? He's a uh, he's a rock star. You, know, you don't know. He could be on drugs. He's you don't on know. Drugs. You know, like it's, it's got to be something, man. I mean, there's there's times where I think I see some crazy shit, and it's just like uh, lights playing tricks on you. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, it's a you lot. never know. There's a lot. Yeah. I also want to do the the conspiracy theory about uh, Solar Warden at some point, which is that we actually already have a space fleet. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't heard that one. That's a pretty weird one. Um, so, yeah, we're definitely going to keep doing conspiracy yeah, theory ones. But now, yeah. Next week, what do we have for WT FADA next week? We're doing... The oh, Silver Bridge. We're doing the Silver Bridge Collapse, which I think will classify as a paranormal episode based yeah. on how much crazy shit's going on with that. Because obviously the big thing surrounding around surrounding against the Mothman, but there's... Which we've hit a, a couple of times. Yeah, we've hit the Mothman a few times, but we have not talked about um, allegations of the men in black mm-hmm. in the area of Point Pleasant before this happened. Will Smith, Tommy Lee Jones. They yes, were they were there. 100%. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I, I saw that bridge. Yeah, I saw like the footage of the bridge collapsing and I was like, I know. I know that Tommy Lee Jones did this. I know it. fucking <laughs> guy. Um, and the other thing is the insane amount of unidentified flying objects that were seen around Point Pleasant in the year or so leading up to it. And all of this stuff, the men in black, the UFO, the Mothman, all of it ended right after the bridge collapsed. All of a sudden it was like the reports just stopped. It's like that is, it's like it felt, it seems like it's linked, mm-hmm. you know. We're going to dive into all that. We got some more fucking research to do. But then, the week after, we get a little bit of a break, because we're going to go see Cats. It's going to be a fun one. Uh, we're really dressing up? We're going to dress up, right? Makeup? I, cat I'm, sweaters? Dude. Cat ears? Dude. Are we doing it? Dude. Dude. I've been waiting this entire fucking year for <laughs> Cats to come out. Do you think I'm not going to get dressed up for the movie? <laughs> I am so pumped up. It's going to be the best fucking movie ever made. I don't know about that. <laughs> it's... It's totally going to be. Dude, they have a lot of a lot of big name people. They do. I didn't realize it. I just honestly I just recently saw a trailer for it, like a commercial. You know, like a very shortened fucking snippet of it. It looks yeah. incredible. Let me just 100% going to be the best movie of the year, hands down, maybe of the decade. I don't want to I don't want to get crazy or anything, well, but I've even wondered if it's the best movie of the century. I mean, Look at this cast: Taylor Swift, Jennifer I Hudson, I know. James Corden, I know, Elba, I know, Judy Dench, I know. I don't know who that is. <laughs> Ian McKellen, yeah. Wilson. <sighs> who else you got? Jason Derulo. I mean, it's just jam-packed with people that I absolutely don't mind seeing in a movie. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be excellent. That'll be the first one that we're gonna we're we're not, we're not only are we available on Apple Podcast, Anchor FM slash WT Fada, Spotify, uh, Breaker, Radio Public, bunch of other places. But that'll be the first time that we're gonna be on YouTube as the podcast as well, which will be really fun. Yeah, I will. Yeah, so I'm definitely getting dressed up.
Yes. Are you going to, too? Oh, absolutely. I'm not going to just let you do it. Then I'll be the weird one in the situation. Because, like, <laughs> like, well, that guy's fucking clearly weird. And, like, what is this normal-ass dude doing with that guy? Just like a cat. It's some type of fetish thing. Yeah. I'm on a leash. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's sweet. All right. I think that's it, man. That's it. That concludes it. That feels like right. the end of, of WT Fodder for this week. Have a wonderful day, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. Bye, babies. Peanuts without chocolate are fine. Peanuts with chocolate are divine.